Okay, uh, we are here with Philip Herf, VP of Energy for Spark Cognition, a leading AI and machine learning company in the oil and gas and, and energy space. Philip has extensive experience in oil and gas, both in large-scale leadership, IT, and, and engineering projects, as well as manufacturing and operations. He holds multiple patents in the field of ultrasonic and has authored many, many technical papers. According to Philip, he's a latecomer to the AI revolution, as he only started working in AI back in 1985, and uh, artificial intelligence has uh, already been defined for 30 years earlier. Philip, thanks for having me here. Thank you, Stelios, for um, for the time and, and for speaking with me. It's a pleasure to be here today with, with your auditors and, and to have a chance to share some of the ideas that, that uh, I have on artificial intelligence and oil and gas and, and I look forward to this uh, discussion. Philip, is there anything exciting that you guys are working on right now that uh, you could share with us uh, just to give us an idea of you know uh, what uh, Spark Recognition does, more or less? Well, when you work in the field of artificial intelligence, exciting is our daily life. We have outstandingly exciting projects in, in many, many different industries, whether that's in aerospace where we run the largest possible air traffic control platform in a partnership with Boeing. We are looking at some of the very large contracts and, and implementation in defense. And we are extremely busy in the financial world. But, but when I come to, and there is many other markets, but when I come to oil and gas, I think the most exciting news this week is um, we have finally announced um, in a press release sent earlier this week that uh, the project we've been running on stealth with BP is keeping on growing. This project we have run for two years on the offshore production platform on the refinery is really looking at uh, predictive maintenance, uh, trying to find out uh, you know what's going to go wrong and, and try to predict in advance. But that allows us to do many more things on just predictive maintenance. We are able to look at uh, process abnormalities, which allows us to predict production impacting events in advance. While this is very good in reducing cost for our clients, you know, lower maintenance cost and uh, higher production, much higher production, because every hour of production you, you can gain is, um, you know, extremely good for your bottom line when you produce 200,000 barrels per day on a single platform. So, um, but, but really the, the biggest um, impact, I would say, to our world is um, our impact on, on getting our clients to a green environment, to a net uh, zero environment, to, to a carbon zero environment. When, when you prevent um, production impact uh, events on a refinery or on offshore platform, what you're able to do immediately is mitigate all of the requirement to flare or to burn oil or gas. And this is something you have to do just for safety reason. I mean, you cannot let the gas consume in the atmosphere. So we, we burn it. And as we all know, flaring is not very good for the environment. But every time we are able to do some technological improvement to improve part of our process, we're actually making the world a better place for everyone to live in. So excitement um, is my daily life and, and absolutely enjoy what we're doing today. That makes absolute sense. AI, I think uh, that's why we are seeing it growing as a term in the in the last, uh, I think, you know, five, six, almost 10 years. There are so many different applications and I'm actually very happy that we're seeing this kind of applications and this impact, you know, and this uh, hype around AI and machine learning coming into the oil and gas and energy space, right? Because I know that machine learning and AI has been around for many, many years, but we are only 
you know, seeing it now slowly getting into the energy space. Right now in the, in the energy and uh, oil and gas industry, I think there are two really big topics. One big topic is around cut costing. With COVID-19, the oil and gas prices really, really low. Uh, this uh, double black swan effect we are seeing happening both in upstream and downstream. I think, uh, you know, cut costing uh, is one of the main things that everybody is thinking about. And also they are thinking a lot about, uh, you know, measuring risks and uh, making sure that they can mitigate them. And in every project that everyone is involved, always know what kind of risk is involved before going into, you know, venturing into these uh, new projects. So uh, in these two big topics right now, uh, cost cutting and also, you know, risk measurements and prevention potentially. Do you see any immediate applications of machine learning and AI? Do you see it also as well in your day-to-day interaction and the conversations you have with your clients? So absolutely. One of the things which has happened with, um, with COVID and confinement is people have been required to work from home. And very quickly across the world, uh, we have found that um, quite a few of our clients were not ready to work from, from home. You know, they, they had very good, fantastic infrastructure in the office, um, but it's just not maybe part of the culture in some places to be working from home and you're at home, you, you, you are with your family and your friends, and, and that's not a work environment. But in today's environment, people have started to have to work from home. So the first thing which has happened is an acceleration of connectivity to homes around the world. People like um, Dell and Lenovo have been selling more laptops than, than, than ever thanks to the current market because uh, the corporation had to deliver working environment for their employees where they could work from home. As you start to work from home, you realize that, okay, once you are connected, now you need data. And the data has, generally speaking, been, been available, and we can speak about it a little bit later, but, but really what's happening now that you have data that you can look at from home when your people are not able really to go and, and look at the equipment in the field as regularly as, as um, they used to do it before. Now you want to see what you can do with your data to be able to prevent having to go and look at sensors and captors and and look at the assets themselves. And so this suddenly we are seeing an acceleration of AI projects uh, just to enable this new working from home environment. What is very good for um, all of us is the return on investment on pretty much any artificial intelligence project is huge. I don't think we have yet engaged on the single project where return on investment was, was not significant. The challenge when you start to speak about AI implementation is, you know, change management. And in particular, you know, if you want to change something, you have to change processes, people, and um, technology. One of the nice things about predictive maintenance is the change which are required in the corporation are mostly technological. Yes, you have to adjust a little bit uh, your processes, and yes, you have, to, you have to adjust a little bit how people work, but really it's a technology change. That's why those predictive maintenance projects tend to be very successful very quickly and are giving our people throughout the world, the immediate uh, benefit of AI implementation, where they can become supporters and support the next project, which is going to force them to change a little bit the way they work, what their particular skills are, and the company will have to adjust a little bit more the processes. But if you want to get started on the project, let's try to find projects where technology is a main pillar and where processes on people are 
only mildly affected uh, in the project. And, and that's a very good, good way to get started. Philip, would you have an example potentially of a use case where you could start applying a predictive maintenance or machine learning to you know, replace very quickly this this need to go and manually investigate and see uh, and see what's going on? Would you have an example potentially that you you guys did that and you've seen a massive gain both financially but also potentially in uh, in man hours reduction and also safety? So yeah, we have multiple projects um, you know, that answer this one. I'm going to highlight two. Uh, the first one is um, with IKRBP in the North Sea, where we are looking at an unmanned platform. And so whenever this platform shuts down, because one of the assets on the of the on the platform gets plugged, typically there is no warning to this. So the, the platform just shut down, and, and then it takes about three days to send people to the platform. By the time you get everything mobilized, uh, that's what it takes. It takes three days. So every time you have a shutdown, you lose three days of production. On top of it, we are in the North Sea, where shutdown, um, you know, it may take one week or more before you can send people just because of the weather, bad weather. So suddenly your shutdown is not three days, but it's 10 days. And so you're losing a lot of production. Once we were able to implement uh, artificial intelligence predictive uh, analytics and abnormality detection on that particular platform, we have been able to predict those events 12 to 25 days in advance, uh, depending on on, uh, which event it is. And that has allowed our client to plan all of the maintenance before the platform shuts down. The efficiency of this platform has, has changed tremendously. The second example I want to highlight is right here in Houston with a company called Textmark. It's a small refinery. But here, when we started the project and went into digitalization, yes, we improved the uptime of the, uh, the refinery so they could produce more product. Um, yes, we um, improved the maintenance uh, project and program so that uh, operating costs got, got lower through optimized maintenance. Yes, you know, because the process were more stable, we did improve the quality, maybe not improve, but um, the quality of the product was a lot more constant. So all of these are good, good, good outcomes from the AI-based project. But if I bring the CEO of the company, Mr. Duke Smith, um, to to speak with us, he will only speak about one thing: the improvement in safety. When we went from it's 2 a.m., Tom, this is broken, go and fix it right now, where Tom would go maybe injure himself, maybe injure part of his crew, maybe break something else in the system, or hopefully, you know, most of the time he would he would just um, do the repair accurately without any outcome, but but you are bringing some risk. When when that situation changed and we went into ATOM, it's 2 a.m. in the morning, we can see that this particular asset is going to fail in, let's call it a week. Uh, why don't you have a meeting tomorrow morning with your best team and plan how we're going to repair this asset efficiently? Suddenly that changes the entire system where you go from, you know, firefighting to, to do maintenance to plan maintenance, efficient maintenance. And the safety record of the, of the refinery have improved so much that we're actually audited and, and certified by OSHA with a safety certification corporation from the U.S. government here in the U.S. for oil and gas assets. So, so very, very significant improvement on safety, and, and that's one of the things that you bring. And when I bring safety, that brings me to security and cybersecurity. I mean, with AI, we are protecting the asset on the cyber safe with a product called Deep Armor, but, but it really allows you to protect your asset very, very efficiently. And when you combine that with improvement in security, 
Now you have a complete um, a solution for your safety solution across your assets. Yeah, that sounds like a like a game changer. What's the adoption of something like that from the industry, Philip? Is it? Do you think that people are still skeptical about adopting it, or do you see, uh, you know, almost all of the industry has already adopted something like that? What do you see so far? If you look at all the major IOCs and NOCs, the international oil company, um, uh, operating operating company, and, and the national operating companies, they have they are convinced that this is the way to go. Um, so quite a few of them, we just spoke about BP, but there are more already started with us on on some projects. Are very very large. We believe that what we're doing with BP is the largest implementation of an artificial intelligence solution in oil and gas worldwide, and, and possibly in, uh, across industries. Obviously, we are not going to speak about um, the consumer market where AI is already extensively used with uh, people such as uh, Apple and Siri or Amazon or Netflix. I mean, this is very, very widely used in the in the B2C market, but but in the industry, it, it has some growing growing implementation, and we are part of most of them. Who is adopting it? Definitely, the, the big corporation are, are adopting it today. But we're starting to see some good penetration into the the smaller companies. We understand they this is the future. You know, you you need to adopt artificial intelligence, or um, or your future is probably not going to be looking. Very, very good. I mean, look at what has happened to Blockbuster, who refused to believe that um, people were going to watch uh, movies in a streaming mode and refused to adopt AI to help them do that. They, they don't exist anymore. They got completely replaced by, by Netflix. Um, so it is relatively clear that um, most of the company now understand that, that uh, they need to move into artificial intelligence, but the smaller independent uh, probably don't have uh, yet a strategy in place to really do it efficiently. Some of them do, like, you know, you speak, I spoke to about Hacker BP. We are doing some project with them on this more. One of the other things which is happening in Holland, yes, is everybody is very secretive about what they do and uh, getting a press release or uh, one of our clients to speak about what we do with them is a difficult discussion. The project we have announcing with BP, we have been running it on stills for two years now. So it, so it is a major project, but we could not speak about it because of our non-disclosure agreement that we have with BP, and they wanted to, to keep this somewhat secret for about two years. So, so that's what we have done with them. And, and we have other projects in the same uh, same range where we cannot speak about it. So, so the implementation of AI is actually larger than what we are hearing about because of all the confidentiality around those projects in oil and gas. And, and oil and gas is a traditional industry. We've been here for, I mean, oil and gas industry has been here for over 100 years. You know, we, we do things in, in a very conservative manner, very intelligent manner, very confidential at the same time. So, Yeah, true, true. That's uh, perfect. Have you ever seen potentially any uh, applications in the upstream space? I know that right now upstream, there is also a need for as much cost cutting and there is a need to potentially be as sure about a potential project as possible. Have you seen any potential applications, you know, for, with AI or, uh, or machine learning in the upstream and exploration space? With artificial intelligence, you need two things. You need a problem and you need data. And the good thing about oil and gas is we have a lot of problems and we have a lot of data. So really, you know, the applications are endless. We are seeing some some projects moving which are 
fairly straightforward, um, you know, across, uh, across uh, drilling application. How do you predict drilling dysfunction in order to be able to mitigate them? Maybe a little bit of drilling optimization. Uh, the goal here is really to integrate into a complete geosteering environment, but that brings some other challenge that we need to better understand um, our geology. We have a lot of data there, so uh, there is some work happening. We see some very complex projects which are going to take time to get deployed or, or worked on, uh, if you, I mean, at scale across uh, reservoir simulation, reservoir monitoring, reservoir understanding. Uh, the seismic world is a place where there's a huge amount of data and there is tremendous opportunities there to apply AI to completely transform this, this industry. And, and some of those projects are already happening, but I would say what we're seeing today is really touching the surface of what can be done with optimization of um, existing processes, but we have an opportunity with AI to completely rethink how we're doing things for leapfrogging multiple um, applications. I mean, years of development that using traditional technology, we can probably accelerate this with artificial intelligence and bring the value of, of uh, data to our client uh, much quicker than the original thoughts. The AI projects are very present throughout the upstream market, um, but you know, if you want to look in in volume at what it is we do the most today is predictive maintenance on offshore production platform, refineries, gas processing plants, LNG facilities, uh, petrochemical plants. I mean, all those big assets, which when they are done, it is very expensive. Maybe a little bit on the maintenance cost, but extremely expensive on uh, the lost production. And, you know, the, in that market, risk is um, extremely important. And being able to predict upcoming failure, some of them are going to be potentially catastrophic. And um, it's a tremendous advantage, huge advantage. So so we are seeing AI implemented in those markets today for cost reason and value reason and production reason. But it is very important to understand the effect it has on safety, both physical safety of the assets and the people, but also the environment. I spoke about it a bit previously. We are making extraordinary improvements to, to making this world a green place. So. Of course. A lot of companies uh, out there, I know that one of their biggest struggles to start using AI and machine learning to actually benefit from all of those things that you've mentioned is uh, they're not sure exactly how to uh, structure their data and their whole infrastructure. In order to start using uh, AI and machine learning, you, you probably need to set up the right sensors, the right databases, uh, structure the, your data in the right way to start asking them questions. What would you advise all of those companies? How could they start? How could they you know, structure their uh, infrastructure to start using AI and, and machine learning? So what is happening here is we have a little bit the story of the chicken and the egg. Um, you know, what what you do, you do first? I mean, you've got your data and should you really get all your data perfectly organized or get started with AI on the data you have? I think, you know, if you look at, at uh, how data needs to be organized and, and the quality required in the data, which is very important, if you want to get that environment on your data perfect before you get started with AI, you'll never get started. You will never get started because data will never be perfect and will never be perfectly organized in the best possible way for to be interpreted. So my recommendation, and we have seen this success fully applied to many of our clients is start today. For the last 10 years, 20 years, uh, at least 10 years, all the big um, consulting companies of the world have been telling all on gas 
operators, you need to store data, you need to capture your data, you need to record the data. So the data is available, it's recorded. It is in some database somewhere, maybe not in the format that you would like it to be and, and in the, the way you would want it to be using today's best-in-class technology, but it is available somewhere. So I recommend to get started looking at the data you have, wherever it is at. Uh, you know, there's some project today with there's multiple um, providers of uh, data solution that allows you to put all of your data in a single place or to access data from multiple repositories or to modify your data from unstructured to structured using uh, natural language processing such as Deep NLP, which is a very successful product in that market. But there is um, a lot of opportunity to extract value from the data you have. And this is where you want to get started. You know, Look at what you've got and extract the value from what you have. That data is essentially free to you today because it's already there somewhere on, on your servers. So let, let's look at this information and get as much value as we can from this data. And what's going to happen here as we start to move forward is we're going to be able to work with our client and, and our cloud operators are immediately realizing it is first, you know, they want the data to be organized slightly differently for their own internal reason. But now they've got good reason and objective to do it. So and they understand, you know, what is the outcome of the data they have and why it needs to be organized differently. So you are really looking at changing your, your data with, with an objective in mind. The second thing which is happening is what you will find out is that you probably don't have all the data that, that you want and that you need, but with the data you have, you can answer 50, 60, 80% of the questions that you have. And then you can start to have a, a workshop, a discussion about, okay, how do we answer the remaining questions? Do we need to add more sensors? Uh, which in some cases you will have to, but in most of the cases, okay, we, we have the sensors, but maybe we don't record them at high enough uh, sampling rate. It, it, very often the sampling rate exists at the end point, but it, uh, during data transmission, we decimate data, we transform data for very good bandwidth reason um, and cost reason, but sometimes you have the opportunity to get better data for interpretation um, just by changing a little bit the, the, the sampling rate, uh, or at least the transmission rate. So sometimes you just need to get the same data with uh, better quality. You know, you used to have 10 PSI, now you need 1 PSI to, to be able to do the interpretation. Start with the data you have, you're already going to be able to answer so many of your questions where going to the next step is going to become a business decision. This is a question. This is a value to us for that question. And this is what it's going to cost us if you want to implement that question. You know, we already understand exactly what we have to do. Now we can take those business decisions. And sometimes this other this question is valid and sometimes this that this question is not valid. Uh, we had a very good example with one of our clients who, who um, had a big, huge gearbox and, and we were able to predict that one of the bearings was going to fail. And they've got two big bearings on those, one of the front, one of the back. Yeah, I think uh, that's extremely uh, enlightening, Philippe. Uh, I know that a lot of uh, companies out there uh, and a lot of people that I'm speaking with, they, they have this big barrier in their mind. How do I start? I need to do this huge investment up front. Uh, all of these things, you are basically telling us that what they have right now, it's enough. They should start using it and then they will identify more and more opportunities down the line, but they would have already unlocked the potential that they have in their own data, right? So they shouldn't really wait to do this huge investment. They should just start uh, straight away. Absolutely. Start straight away because if you are going to do a huge investment in your data to put 
more sensors or to organize your data in a very different way. Once you are at the end of the project and you're ready to start with AI, you will find that some of the things you have done at high cost uh, were not justified and that if you, you know, you still have uh, ways to go and, and keep on modifying your data, your sensors, your application to get whatever it is that, that you want to see answered. So start today with the data you have and then let's work together to find out what's missing and and how do we work with your traditional hardware supplier to add more data or, or uh, store the data differently. But, but um, there is value in AI. There is a lot of value which can be captured and delivered today. Let's get started today. You have the information to get started. That's a very positive message, uh, Philip. Thank you. So yeah, let's leave it at that. Uh, everyone uh, out there has the, the data already. So let's start today. Uh, Philip, thanks a lot for being with us. Uh, we've covered a lot of uh, in very important topics. Thanks for being here and for uh, sharing your opinion uh, and, then, and all of those amazing case studies from the real uh, industry out there. Thank you very much, uh, Stelios. Once again, AI is here today and AI allows you to secure your asset on the cyber side, make sure they're working. And once something is secure and it's working, then you can optimize it. And that's available today. Thank you very much, Philip. Thank you for having me, Stelios.